This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Who is it? It's us again with the mini-sode. Mm-hmm. Hi, Scotty. Hey, Kurt. What's up, man? We're going to do mini-sode, your stories on Bananas, the silliest little podcast there ever was. I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm just having a great afternoon. It's 90 degrees and sunny in beautiful Los Angeles, California. You don't have air conditioning. I wonder, what, would, why don't you buy a unit, an AC unit? I don't know. Okay. I think um, <laughs> I have that new office. I, I uh-huh, have a new okay. office and loft space, and that is fully HVAC'd in every way. So I have it, whenever I'm writing during the day, I have it pumping like 68 degrees. But I'm just used to it. It opens up. Everything's screened in the, in the little cabin. So I just, you know, I keep it easy breezy, man. That's my whole thing. All right. I love it. I love it. And you don't sweat. Um, That's what I appreciate about you. Yeah, I mean, I sweat. Right now, I sweat yeah, all the time. Not a big sweater. I, I once had an ex-girlfriend that got mad at me because my feet didn't smell and I didn't sweat. And I think she was implying <laughs> that her feet did smell and that she sweats a lot. Uh, and she used to be like, it, she would get outraged by it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure these are positive traits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I think this is a sign of a bigger problem in the relationship <laughs> if you're mad at me about not having two knocks against me. <laughs> I remember. Anyways. Did I ever tell you this story? It was, um, I... Because it was like I was had an interview to direct, okay. and I'm not a director. You know, maybe You'd be good maybe at, it, at some point in the future I yeah. would be. Um, but I had directed these these uh, web series, this web series mm-hmm. back in the day. And I was mm-hmm. probably 29 or so, and I got brought in because of these web series. Got brought in to interview to direct the electric company, like on PBS. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, sure. And uh, and so and it was summertime, and I was wearing sure. classically <laughs> what I used to always wear was a, a t-shirt and then a a button like a uh, a buttoned up short sleeve t-shirt over yeah. it, right? Yeah. And uh, and I was like looking at the subways on how to get there. And it was right on the side of Central Park. And I was like, oh, well, I could like wait and transfer and go to right where it is. Or I could get off on the other side of the park and then walk through the mm-hmm. park. And I love walking mm-hmm. through the park. And for those of you who haven't been to New York, Central Park is very big. It's, it's pretty yeah. wide as well. But it's beautiful. Very fun to walk through. Yeah, it's paradise. But I didn't just—I just didn't think about it. It's ninety-five <laughs> degrees out, and I walk through the park. And by the time I get to the elevator to like go oh, up, boy. I am pouring sweat. 
And then also I'm nervous because I've never interviewed for a directing job. I don't know what is involved yes. here. Yeah, no. So I like go up and I sit down and uh, and I go in and I'm still sweating. I've sweat sure. through one shirt and then the other shirt and they're so uh. alarmed. They're like, do you need water? <laughs> and I was like, I guess I guess I do need water. And so then I started yeah. drinking water. And then they were dying. Like they would just stop and be like, Do you do you want to like take a break? <laughs> and I'd be like, No, I'm fine. I just I walked across the park. And then new people would come into the meeting. They're like, he walked across the park. They would like have to explain it to them for me. Yeah. Uh, he fell in a pool. He didn't fall <laughs> in the Central Park Lake. He fell in the ice skating rink. They dragged him around behind the Zimboni for two hours. That's so, I mean, you must have just looked in over your head. Yeah. You must have just looked like you had never been to a job interview ever before. Or inside a building. That's probably what it looked like. Like, I just spent my life on the streets, and I was so nervous to be inside a room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You have the most extreme claustrophobia known to man, just buildings in general. Can we take this outside? The uh, <laughs> head coach for the University of Maryland basketball team, Gary Williams, uh, used to sweat through his suit. And I always uh-huh. thought that that blew my mind that in like an and it's an air conditioned arena, but yeah. it's so intense. And like by the middle of the second half, he would be just sweating through a suit jacket. It's that is not serious sweat. Pleasant. I have definitely done it before and it is not pleasant, especially when you're like in, you know, for me, it's performance. And that's why I don't wear a suit anymore. But I had a suit. I actually had a suit. Oh, man, I'm such an idiot. Uh, I had a suit that I used to wear when Krista and I would do our double act in Australia. Uh It was a three-piece suit, polyester, like just made of plastic, essentially. Oh, I remember it well, yeah. And and I never fucking dry-cleaned it the entire... We we did 29 shows in 30 days. Oh, my God. It was... By the end, it was so disgu- like, disgusting. And I, yeah, it smelled like shin guards. And I was yeah. just like, I was like, this is my performance jacket. <laughs> yeah. You guys were very alternative. Kristen's going to be on an upcoming regular epi of Bananas again, which yeah. is so fun. But you guys were true alt-performer comedians back before, you know, mm-hmm. the rise. It's true. Well, that's cool, homeboy. Give me a Who story. wants to go first? I'll go. Yeah. So this is from Matt Bushrow from Seattle. And the thing I like about Matt Bushrow from Seattle is he gave us a headline to his own story. Ooh, I like it. So we could say best in the biz. <laughs> yeah. So this one, uh, brilliant but mildly unstable university professor brings down the house for an audience of one. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So this was written by Matt Bushrow from Seattle. Love it. Thank you, Matt. That guy can write. He is the best in the business. Hi, Banana Boys. I think the show is great. I was delighted to hear you invite the audience to submit their own weird stories. So stand by for a moment while I crack wise about a pedantic professor I knew once upon a time. I mean, I am into this writing. A lot of very good writer. Alliteration right off the bat. All right, I'm in. Let's very hear good you. writer. Early in the new millennium. I was a student studying economics at a prominent university in Louisiana. The professor was a uh, professor of one of my classes was truly an eccentric, a, stati- a statistical genius. He held multiple doctorates and published many scholarly papers in several disciplines. But of his brilliance, there could not be a speck of doubt. But his lectures were so extremely theoretical and lofty that nearly everybody would sit down in class and promptly fall asleep. <laughs> We've all been there. Yep. We know what that's yep. like. 
especially in cold weather, like up at UMass, you'd wear a jacket, you'd go into like a 4.30 class when the sun's already down, you're asleep, and then you think you can't see, and then you give a presentation, and you just see every sleeping <laughs> fed. You see that head bob thing? It's the best. That happened to me in rhetoric once. I took a rhetoric class, and I was giving a presentation on green eggs and ham, uh, and I looked out, and every one of my classmates was asleep, <laughs> and except the professor in the back. And I'm like, oh, they can see it so flagrantly. Teachers... All our teachers yep. and Professor Bananimals, you know what we're saying. Anyways, back to the story. Meanwhile, his appearance was always somewhat shocking for its lack of presentability. He always had on a rumpled white button-down shirt, half untucked, with a collar squeezed and buttoned way up to his double chin, stained by cuts from his morning shave. Great writing. His tie was always hideously cheap and outdated. He had a bald, oh, is it pate? It is pate, isn't it? I don't a know. P-A-T-E. Pate is right, I think. He had a bald pate. Uh, what is a pate? I thought it was when you have a, a spot on the back of your head. Oh, okay. That's not but a I bald might... pate. <laughs> uh, let's go bald pate. <laughs> he had a bald pate <laughs> with uh, uncut and unruly curly hair sticking around uh, the perimeter of his head. Classic. Oh, maybe it's like Larry David style bald pate. Yeah. Uh, the George Costanza bald pate. Uh, I had a knack for statistics and an enormous respect for his intelligence, but it was like he was a living caricature. So one day I'm in class, as was often the case, everyone else is totally passed out, (laughs) and I'm the only one actually awake and listening. He's going on and on, lecturing about some complicated anomaly of the stock market, when all of a sudden, one of his dentures slides out (laughs) of place, gets ejected fully from his mouth by the sheer exuberance of what he's saying, and is launched into space out from the lecture where he's standing before i could even fully comprehend what i was seeing he shot out one of his hands snatched his dentures out of the thin air and jammed it back into his mouth and continued lecturing as if nothing (laughs) out of the ordinary had ever happened i cannot tell you how overwhelmed i was with the conflicting feelings of both shock and awe and outright hilarity (laughs) over what i had just seen and I was the only soul in the class who was awake to see it. He gave an absolutely Oscar-winning moment that probably couldn't be reproduced if it was attempted again and again and again. And that is the story of how one of my favorite professors made the fantastic contribution to my odd and outrageous stories that are truly are that are true but completely uncorroborated. Thanks. Oh, that is great. I love that. Yeah, you don't. You don't recognize dentures anymore like yeah. i feel like when i was a kid i must have watched a lot of jeopardy and wheel of fortune and you it was always for polydent or like mm-hmm. whatever sticks it but you never think about dentures maybe dental care has gotten so much better in the states or something yeah possibly um or I, maybe i'm just not looking at enough old people's mouth yeah you know? la is a land of the young and uh veneered so god I had this professor, mm-hmm. I mean, I had this high school teacher, a physics teacher, uh, Mr. Vant Hall okay. was his name. He was from a foreign country. He had one of the craziest accents I've ever heard. And he knew I was too stupid to be in physics, but I had to take it. So he would let me explain um, why I thought things were the way they were without showing any trigonometry. Okay. Nice guy. His hobby... Apparently, he had an identical twin brother, which I don't know if was ever verified, but he really liked doing experiments to prove physics to us, uh, and that included his hobby where he was the president of the Maryland Hang Gliders Association. Oh, there it is. There There it is. is. Something he brought up 
proudly and often. And <laughs> when you're 16 or 17, whatever I was, it's like, sure, hang gliding is on the list of things I you'd like to do yeah. before you die. But you don't give a shit about yeah. it. You're happy to have a car. You're happy to have Taco Bell down the street. <laughs> so one day we're studying lift and all that stuff. So he takes us outside and surprises us. There is his hang glider. Yeah. He had it fully set up, and there was this nice little running hill down to sort of the football fields what? and the soccer fields on our campus. And he talks. He's got a highlighter in his hand, as he always did, and he's explaining lift and why air passes over and pulls up and not down and blah, blah, blah. And so then he's like, so I'm going to show you how that works. So this guy is the president of Maryland Hang Gliders Association. Uh-huh. He picks it up. In front of my class of 35 people or so, he runs down the hill about five steps, not in the bag, just he's going to just hold on to the bar or whatever, the crossbar thing, just to show the lift. Yeah. And the idea was he was going to let us do this too. Oh, wow. Okay. Because he wanted us to see, which is also, I doubt you could even do that with smartphones these days. Um, so he runs full speed, this little man, just in his science teacher outfit, puts his highlighter in his back pocket, and it takes off from the ground and crashes so violently down <laughs> that he is holding his shoulder, no, like I think no, he's dislocated no, his shoulder, no. and he gets up sort of laughing and smiling in the way that only Europeans do after tragedy. <laughs> and nobody else was allowed to do it. We were all like, what do you do? It's like when an, old, when an adult yeah. gets hurt, and yeah. you're just kids. You're just horny, angsty kids. And so he like limps back up. I think he just left it at the bottom of the hill, oh. and like we just kind of limp back into the class, and he's just like working it out oh. for the rest of the day. But you could tell it was his moment to fly. He wanted to shine. This was his hobby. Oh. This was his thing. And to say he crashed, it was like just as if a twister came out of nowhere and just leveled him into the ground. Oh man. Two years ago, I tweeted it. Uh I tweeted the same thing. And a guy that I went to high school with that I didn't know followed me on Twitter goes, I can confirm this. This (laughs) (laughs) This dude, Ryan, was like, I was there, man. I I know his pain so intimately because... An embarrassment. An embarrassment. um, So I'm a lifelong surfer. Uh, started surfing when I was 14. I've been, you know, body yeah. surfing and boogie boarding before that for my whole life. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I surf in the winter. I used to surf in the winter in New York City in uh, Rockaway. Crazy. For 10 years, crazy. I would surf before all work. winter. Yeah. I would surf at like 6 a.m., 20 degree temperatures. Wow. Absolutely crazy. And, um, and so my buddy, Jonah Ray, had this TV show. Uh, which was a travel, it was kind of like a, yeah, um, I like that a show. documentary of a travel show, uh, which you guys should really go and watch. It's very funny. And yeah. uh, one of the episodes was in Cleveland, which is on Lake Erie. And okay. uh, he's like, hey, do you want to surf Lake Erie and I, in the winter? And I was like, I for sure. totally do. Yes. Yeah, for sure. The most curt thing you could get at. Exactly. And so they wrote this whole bit about surfing in cold water. But then we're going to actually get footage of me surfing, and it was like, yeah. I, we get there, and this is like the surf beach in <laughs> Cleveland. And so you, you have to understand, like, the, when I didn't understand this, really. The Great yeah. Lakes, like, when surf comes, it's what's called windswell, which means it's very choppy. It's not like the okay. ocean where the wind has been traveling across the water for a long period of time, and you just okay. have these nice rollers. It's just like, wave, 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 wave. I see. And the people who are used to surfing that, like, that is, you know, they just gotten used to it and had to do it. Yeah. 
They're swing staters. Yeah. They just do everything a little wacky out there. So it's probably like 28 degrees or something. And I get into yes, my, it's a five mil wetsuit, attachable hood, lobster claw gloves. I bring my own wetsuit, but they're going to provide the surfboard. Okay. Okay. And uh, so they provide the surfboard. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, well, is there a leash? And then they're like, no, there's no leash. And I was like, okay. And then they like mounted a camera on on the front of the surfboard. A little GoPro thing, sure. And it was like sure. literally during production. And I like, and you know, it's just like, we got to get out. We got to shoot. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, just wasn't yeah, yeah, totally. thinking straight. No. And also because they brought the surfboard, no one brought me any surf wax. And so I didn't have wax. So it's a very slick, unleashed surfboard. Yes. Okay. And uh, and for you, those of you who don't know, you have to put wax on the top of the surfboard so you can stick to it. Otherwise, it's very slippery. You slide right yes, off. Yes. Like a wet linoleum floor. Yeah. So four cameras go and oh, like start shooting boy. this beach where I'm oh, going to go out. And boy. I start paddling out. The moment I hit the water, I'm like, fuck, I need surf wax. Like, this is almost impossible to do. And then, like, eight waves hit the camera on the front of the board and immediately you know, knock it. it off. So now I'm trying to hold a camera and oh, paddle an unwaxed surfboard with, like, and it was, like, the waves were probably, like, four feet high, but just, like, Pretty good. just crashing constantly. And yeah. I can't even make it out. I'm like, am I going to get... I'm like, this is the most embarrassing I could ever be in my life <laughs> to not be able to like... And also, I had been... Has this guy ever surfed before? Exactly. <laughs> and then, Who's this loser? And I was in like this five mil wetsuit, and I'd been in uh, LA for nine years at that point. You know, I'd been mm-hmm. only surfing in a two mil wetsuit, much less mm-hmm. rubber. That's two million dollars. It's very rich. That's two million dollar wetsuit. It's, it's gold. It's got copper on the inside. Diamond encrusted, two million dollar. And so I didn't even catch one wave, and I was for the whole the whole time. Did it make the episode? There's no surf, no no footage of me surfing (laughs) whatsoever. So well, it's not your fault. Embarrassing. No, we're set up to fail, like Mr. Van Hall and his. It is my fault. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, next time, that's why you always travel with. Uh, Dr. Zog sex wax or whatever. Mr. Zog sex That's wax. That's why I, I should gum. always travel with wax. <laughs> I, hope, I hope when you fly to Denver this week and you take Some sticky, sticky bumps. bumps. I love yeah. that you got sticky. sticky bumps is my brand. Sticky bumps is my uh, brand. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, man. God damn it. All right. Do we, have, do we even have time for this? We can. We could do a story. I'm going to bang this out when we, maybe we don't tell a story to it. Here we go. Okie dokie. Let's we'll see how we feel. This was emailed to us by... I love email. Laura Olson. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Hello to my favorite banana boys. Um, all right, so Hi. I'm going to... It's a long one. All right, you brighten my week every Tuesday. Much love. I write to tell you of a Aww. silly story of my friend that I thought you would enjoy. It's a bit long and kind of holiday-themed, but I figured I'd forget to write That's in okay. by then. So here you go. As we all know, the holidays foster lots of joy, eating, drinking, family, arguments, and increased petty crime. My friend, I'll call him Jason, bravely defended his home and neighborhood from a holiday perp. Jason is a good old Boston boy, large build, thick beard, very intimidating if you know know this normally, his normally kind nature. And he's come back from home from Denver for the holidays. After a night of drunken shenanigans with old friends, he returns home in the wee hours of the morning to pass out on the living room couch because his childhood bedroom is occupied by other visiting family members. Great. Then, a few hours later, he hears some tinkering on the porch. Alarmed, he gets up to check out the situation, only to find a person standing there with a bag and a car running idle in the driveway. A holiday perp. 
Jason may have been in his boxers and T-shirt, but he braves the winter night and charges outside ready to defend his home. The oh, perp yeah. runs back to the car, gets in, and drives away. He goes back Frickin inside perps. feeling so good. Jason <laughs> sounds like the personification of a dog. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, he does. Like a really good St. Bernard. Yep. <laughs> but he goes back inside. Oh, whew, got that mailman out of here. But no, the perp <laughs> car did not go far. Merely next door. He sees the perp get out of the car, leaves it running idle, and approaches the neighbor's house. He thinks, oh, Oh, hell no. This fucker thinks he can just escape like that and get away with some shit. The only logical conclusion for him at the time, a man pumped up by Boston-fueled testosterone, lots and lots of alcohol, very little sleep, and a deep sense of family and neighborhood pride, is to grab a knife from the kitchen and go show the perp what's up. That's a, whoa, that's Boston pride. Uh That's right. Out the door, he runs, charging, screaming, knife in hand. The perp sees him and flees back to the car and tries to drive away. This does not deter Jason. This fucker already tried this once. He's not going to let this go. He jumps on the hood of the car. Oh, boy. Big mistake. And tries to hold on, yelling many threatening remarks and displaying his knife. Unfortunately, his grip isn't very good, and he almost immediately slips off the car once moving and thankfully doesn't impale himself on said knife. Yeah. The perp drives off off in a hurry, clearly frightened and unlikely to return. Wow. Uh, But you never jump on the hood of the car, guys. We get sent so many banana stories, real stories of people going down the highway on the front of somebody's car. You don't want to do it, especially not holding a kitchen. No kidding. He returns home absolutely beaming with pride. Mm-hmm. A few minutes later, he sees several cop cars roar by, thinking someone must have seen or heard the commotion and called the cops. Right. Jason is so proud. And he passes mm-hmm. out once again, knowing all is well and safe in the world. <laughs> the next morning, the family is eating breakfast, and his mom says, Oh, I just can't believe what happened last night, thinking it was his time to shine. He oh. prepares to be lauded by his family for his bravery. She continues, oh. someone terrorized the poor male girl. She had to call the cops because some lunatic tried to attack her with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbor- neighborhood gossip had already gotten around that the teenage male girl called the cops early in the morning to report an incident, and there were soon many cops on the street trying to investigate this odd attack while my friend slept in to ward off his impending hangover. Insane. Not willing to go from brave hero to a sailor. My friend simply shook his head and said, oh, my God, that's fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's the but that's see, Jason's a genius that yeah. he just got out of it. That's wonderful. Ah, man, that's terrible. Who would do that? Who, that's so good. <laughs> what a story. Great crazy, story. Crazy. Great story. Good story. I have a real quickie and I might have told this one before, okay. but recently, um, like last I guess it was pre the great quar, but uh, I was lying in bed and no AC. I had my screen window open and I heard footsteps outside of my house. And um, about two nights before, uh, my former a guy that used to live here used to Airbnb one of his house, and somebody tried to open my front door. Oh yeah, um, screen door twice, and I heard it. And I look out there and there's two Asian men standing there, and I was like. Hey, wrong house. And they like they like look at the window really scared. And so I just slam my window really hard and then I get up and by the time I go, they're gone. Uh-huh. 
And so I was, I told my neighbor, I was like, did you guys see anybody? Somebody just tried to break in my house. There's these two guys. He goes, oh, they're Chinese exchange students. They were looking for their Airbnb. They got the numbers mixed up. And so they weren't trying to just enter your house. And so I yelled at them, hey, wrong house, and then slammed a window in their face. So it's like they had just gotten off the plane at LAX. They had taken an Uber or taxi here. And they, and I live in this weird, uh, these cabin clusters that's in the trees and it's kind of dark and it's definitely like a weird place. Yeah. And so I probably scared the shit oh, out. So poor guys. Two nights later, <laughs> uh-huh. two nights later, I'm lying in bed and I hear footsteps and I'm like, what the hell? Cause it was like a new Airbnb property. I'm like, is this going to happen? Is the listing wrong? Yeah. Do they have my address? Like what the hell? And so I, I hear my gate to my backyard. I put a little shop bell on the back. That's my security system is a shop bell. Uh-huh. Um, and I hear it ring. And I look, and there's a, a guy with a backpack on. So I think it's an airbnb And in my sleepy, deep voice, I go, yo, wrong house. <laughs> and he freezes. And he puts the latch back on the gate. He takes a couple steps and then sprints up the stairs full speed. And it was uh, Tagger. It was a graffiti guy that they later caught in the neighborhood. Oh. And we had caught him on security cameras. And he was actually trying to break into my backyard <laughs> to spray the back of my fence. <laughs> but in my, in my trying to be polite, but also it's 3M and I'm pissed off, my brain went, yo, wrong house. <laughs> and that's all he needed to hear. He probably thought I had like a cannon yeah. pointed at him. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, see ya. Oh, uh, but they got that guy. But sorry to those Chinese exchange students. I'm sure you're huge bananas. <laughs> well, we did it again. Thank you so much, Scotty. Thank you. Exactly right. Thank you to our producer, Katie Levine, and to our intern, Lisa Magadu, who helps us compile these stories. Keep your bananas real stories. The weirder, the better. Give us the details. We like funny details. Send them to thebananaspodcast at gmail.com or thebananaspodcast on Instagram. You guys know it. Thanks for following us. Banana. Gernambers! This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and engineered by Katie Levine. Theme music by Kahan. And all of our artwork is done by Travis Millard. You can follow us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast, where we post stories every day and things that we don't cover on the podcast. Listen, subscribe, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on Bananas, please email us at thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. That's thebananaspodcast at gmail.com.